So we've already had the conversation that your kids are going to be going to school at home. And we don't know how long that's going to be for. This is this is something that all political agendas aside, all uh, beliefs about what this thing actually is aside, this COVID-19 thing, the face of your children going to school is changing. There is a new paradigm around schooling taking place. People don't know if it's actually going to go back to the way it was. And I think a lot of parents might be, uh, 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 you know, worried, concerned, asking questions, and maybe even panicked. I had uh, Angeli and Sarah on previously, where we're talking about the, the the new face of school and what it's like to suddenly have your kids at home all day going to school. How's it work? How do you even find an online school? How do you know that the one you found is going to be worth its weight? Will the credits they're getting even transfer? Do I have to pay money? Um, is the public online school system going to cut it? One of the things that we didn't get to in our last conversation, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to the conversation that we've done about the changing face of school. Uh, One of the things that we actually didn't get to in the conversation is settling on the idea that if your kids are now going to school at home, how do you help them? What do you do with your day? Do you, do you sit there? I, I know they've that my guests uh, uh, have some funny stories about uh, parents who are intervening in the middle of school days. And what if you find out that your kid actually has a fake screen up and they're playing video games on the other TV while they're supposed to be attending class? How do you do this thing as a parent? So this time, instead of talking about what's school going to look like moving forward, Let's talk about what is parenting a kid who's going to school at home look like moving forward. So thank you for joining me again on Beyond Risk and Back. My guests are Angeli and Sarah from Mountain Point Academy. Uh, where are you guys located, by the way? We are out. We're in Utah um, in the Lehigh area. So that's kind of Mountain Point. We're by Point of the Mountain. Got it. Again, with you, there's lots of mountain names. So there, we kind of got creative like uh, coming up with a name for our school. A Mountain Point Academy in Utah. Let's have a conversation uh, with them about how to parent a kid who's going to school at home. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. I'm your host, Aaron Huey. Thanks for joining. Sarah, Angelique, thank you guys so much for coming back on the show. It was a great episode, the last one. I'm looking forward to this one. Yes, thanks again for having us. We're excited for this conversation as well. <laughs> as Okay, so now we're, we're dealing with a type of situation where... Um, you, you, as a parent, you might have, your job may have ended. You might have lost your job and now you're a one income family or you're both at home trying to hustle up the cash, but your kids are now at home going to school. Um, and, and some parents didn't even know this concept or what this would even look like until it was literally forced on them and they had to learn how to have your kids online. So I want to talk about not just the strategies of parenting and the strategies of letting the teacher teach and the strategies of when to help and when not to help, but also there is a very large concern and frustration around how much time children are spending online. 
And now one of the, one of the human interaction concepts that we're trusting in to keep our children engaged in the learning process has changed and it's online now. Are you guys at all concerned about how much time a child is going to be spending online? And do you have any suggestions on the amount of hours depending on the age? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not healthy for a child or an adolescent or even adult for that matter to spend too much time in front of a computer screen or a tablet screen or any kind of screen. Um, and now that you're adding school into the mix, you know, now you're just increasing right. the amount of time that a, a kid could potentially be on the internet or in front of a screen. So I think definitely placing limits and it might look a little bit differently for every family. Um, but limiting the amount of screen, t- screen time is key. I, I mean, most of our students, what we suggest, you can complete a full day's worth of school within a matter of just a few hours in a typical online program because you don't have the coming into school, settling down, taking roll call with the teacher, walking between classes through the halls and waiting for the class clown to stop telling jokes. And, you know, I mean, it's just a lot more condensed. And so there's no need for a student to be sitting in front of a computer for eight hours. That's just not necessary. And it's not healthy. We would never recommend that. Um, so parents do need to understand that it's not going to look the same. You know, you're used to your your child going to school and spending eight hours and then coming home. And, and then it's time to maybe settle down, have dinner, unwind, whatever it is that you do. But in online schooling, that's just not how it works. Yeah. And, and kind of like they mentioned last time, you know, some kids are running into the situation where they're noticing, hey, I'm done with all my schoolwork within three hours. That's great. That's perfect. And I think the key is, you know, depending on the age range of the child and depending on their attention span, you know, a lot of them aren't going to want to sit there and just bulk do it all at once. And so having little movement breaks and things like that, whether it's, hey, if you have four kids at home, guys, let's have a dance party for 10 minutes, you know, let's get those juices flowing again and kind of breaking up the screen time so that they're still getting some of that kind of mental health integrated into it where they're getting the breaks and they're not just zoning out in front of a screen, but still getting, you know, some of that movement going so that they can then be more successful when they do come back and focus on their schoolwork as well. One of the benefits to having a child leave the house to go to school is that provides you, you know, the, the eight hours of pretty focused time to do your own stuff. Um, whether that's, you know, running a business or, or creating a new hustle at home so that you can, you can keep the income going or actually leave your house and go to work. Like, like, and if, and if we're supposed to be quarantining, you know, at what age do you leave your kid at home? Do you bring, do you let them go to the neighbors? Are they quarantining properly? That's not really quarantine. And if you're an essential worker, or if you're in one of the more lenient areas that are saying, well, you know, we're open and people can kind of sit far apart and maybe wear a mask, but you should be, you know, you're, you're, you're a waiter. So, so make sure you're like, like where this is, this is an infringement on one of the benefits of having a child who's school age is suddenly you're, you're on the clock again with your child, not just your own business and work. Do you recommend 
that a family, parents, they're working side by side in the same room near, can the kid be in their bedroom? How would you ideally encourage the parents to set the system up so that the kids um, and the parents can focus on their own work? Yeah, you know, I think it's, like you said, it's definitely an interesting dynamic. And I think at the core of all of this is going to be a routine. And I think having like a set designated space for school, not necessarily in their bedroom, because just like if you're working from home all the time, you don't want your bedroom to then become where you're working because then you're stressed out and that triggers the stress as an adult. That is a really good, I, I, my wife and I moving back into our house, I got the, the, we had two offices, but we have a roommate right now. And so I got one of the rooms for the office and I looked at her and I was like, do you just want to put your desk in the bedroom? She was like, are you nuts? Like, no, it's the last thing I want to see when I wake up and go to bed. I was like, oh yeah. So that's, I didn't even think about that. We don't, want the kids workspace to be in their relaxation play space right correct yeah so sorry go ahead sir no yeah i was just going to add to that is just a strategy that i heard from a parent um that actually homeschooled for several years and kind of had the system down is um going along with what angeli said is how important a routine is and what she would do she would get her kids up for school every morning they're being homeschooled but she still get them up, shower, get ready for school, um, you know, pack a snack in your, in your backpack. She'd have them put the backpack on, go out the front door, walk around, come in through the back door. <laughs> and it was a, it was a, a mental shift of, okay, now it's time for school. We're getting ready for school. It was, um, like you said, when you don't have designated spaces, it's hard to transition into that mindset of being ready for school. I, I do most of my work from home and I have two, almost two year old twins at home. <laughs> and luckily I have family support and my mom comes over and, and helps a lot. Otherwise I see firsthand the challenge that parents have when trying to work from home and trying to pay attention to what your kids are doing and still give them the focus that they need so that you're not just always distracted working all the time when they need your attention. But it's definitely, um, making sure you have that mindset and either if you can't designate a space, then designate specific times where this is the time I'm working from school. So there can be a clear separation because I, I catch myself doing that all the time is I can quick throw in a load of laundry or I can do this or that. But then you start realizing how work or school can spill into, you know, your downtime and your personal life. And you, you, I think you, it's, it's better for mental health when we're able to keep it a little bit more contained. Yeah, thanks for reminding me that I got a load of laundry in the dryer that I got to move. <laughs> I just was like, oh, crap. But that's working at home, right? The benefit is, is that the, the, so let's talk about that distraction piece. Do you think it's easier for kids to be distracted in a classroom or in their house where all their, where all their toys and video games and their stuff is? You know, it's, it's probably about sixes, honestly. You know, at school, they have their friends who are there distracting. I'm like, I was always the kid that was in trouble for talking in class because I'm just a social person, right? So I'm sure other kids run into that. And at home, you know, you have your sibling and, hey, they're in my space. And oh, my gosh, you know, so, so you're still going to have some of those distractions. And again, I think that's where it boils down to routine and depending on the age, like frequent breaks. You know, like, hey, if you want to play with your toys, do five more minutes of your program or, 
you know, 10 more minutes, whatever the time frame and age appropriate that works for your kids. But yeah, I definitely think it's just going to be come, yeah, boil down to the involvement of a parent, a routine. And again, that's going to be tricky if you're working and have deadlines and meetings all day, you know, as you're working. And so I think that's too, you know, something that I've heard friends doing is I know one family that has, you know, 10 kids, um, <laughs> eight of which are still at home and they're all school age. So it's like, okay, how do we do this? And and just sitting down as a family and kind of having those discussions of, okay, these are the expectations that are coming up. This is what you're going to need to do. And, you know, if, if mom or dad has a sign on the door that says meeting in progress, that means I need, you know, some time. And and just, yeah, setting those clear expectations, those clear boundaries, and then just each day kind of reevaluating, okay, what works well today? What didn't work so well? How can we change this? What do you need from us? And and just kind of keeping that open line of communication so that you guys, we're all navigating it together, parents, students, all of us, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a learning process. And so I think just, yeah, having that open communication and learning how to do it. Um, we actually, on our blog, a couple of weeks ago, we actually had a lady come on. She's a parenting expert. And so she talked with us about kind of parenting through this COVID pandemic and some, you know, useful tips of how you can, yeah, connect with your kids and, and navigate these waters as well. So you can check that out over on our website as well. And that has some good pointers too. Yeah. It's just one of those things where we, we talked, we touched a little bit about it last time when we spoke, Erin, but um, the difference between parents who have chosen specifically to homeschool their children or do online schooling where they have prepared in advance, okay, um, do I need somebody over to watch the younger siblings while they're doing this? Or you know, do I work? Am I deciding to stay home with my kids and be completely involved? Whereas with this pandemic, so many families were just thrust into this. And there was no plan in place you know we don't even know okay is it is it allowed for somebody to come over and watch my kids is that you know is that okay in quarantine or when is it okay um when our daycare is opening up can i utilize that what, nobody you know nobody really has the answers right away and so we're all just figuring this out as we go but just to make a, a clear distinction on um parents who are thrust into this without necessarily choosing it give yourself a little bit of leeway with this totally. you know um, we're all, like I said, we're all figuring it out and it's a complete learning curve for most of us. And you just got to go a little easy on yourself and understand that everyone's trying to work at this together. Yeah. Well, and, and as Sarah was talking, it kind of triggered my brain, you know? Yeah. There's people that have been doing this for years and years and there's lots of homeschool resources out there on Facebook or, you know, connecting in your area, asking people, you know, that have homeschooled for years, what works, what doesn't, you know, having those discussions, and they'll probably have some amazing pointers, because yeah, people choose to do this by choice. And so they've become experts at the homeschool program, and just even simple routines, like Sarah had mentioned before, just little ways to help get the kids focused and, and helping parents adapt to, to the environment. You know, there's a few things that that, that came up during uh, that conversation for me. Number one, uh, uh, Sarah, I'm going back to the, the mom who sent the kids out the front door and made them come into the back. I love that idea because it's a clear transition. There's a gateway process to that. And I could not fathom trying to get a teenager to do that. Right. And then, <laughs> mom, this is so stupid. And, but, 
there you what the, the neighbors are gonna see me with a backpack. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. It's hysterical, but the 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 sim the symbol of that, the metaphor of that is that there has to be like a doorway, there has to be a gateway, there has to be a transition process from it's school time. Now it's lunchtime. Now we've got we're gonna go back and it's one more, you know, blankety blank of school. Up at the facility here, you you have to have the schedule up on the wall. That's a state rule. There's a reason for that. Because we're in a we're in an environment where the routine um is is beyond essential. Like, like in, in, in the environment that I work in, the routine for these kids, reestablishing routine is essential. So much so that it's it is literally state policy. For the state to recognize its importance, it has to have a lot of research behind it. So parents, I can't, they have both said so many times about routine, routine. I would, I want to even find a way to honor that routine to such a place where the transitions of the routine are important. And the little kids, if you're, if you're in high school age and you've got a, a little five-year-old brother who's so excited that all you are is home now and they get to hang and you still have a math test to do, you got to imagine as a parent, that's going to be pretty nuts. So it might feel exactly what it was like to be a parent trying to start a business, having a little kid tugging on your shirt the whole day. So I think that's a that's a pretty big deal. Um, you also talk about the family meetings. I am wondering if during this COVID-19, if family dinners have come back. That has been largely something that has suffered and died a horrendous death. And I blame the TV tray. But, you know, now that there's cell phones and, and you know, so many distractions, I wonder, since so many people are indulging in distractions all day, how important this family meeting around dinner, what worked, what didn't work, what we could, do, could we do better tomorrow, um, start to play out. Do you guys have thoughts on the family dinners? Is family dinner a place to talk a little bit more about what we did at school or like what are what's what do you have yeah, for that? Totally. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I grew up, my dad is an LCSW, so I kind of get the world of, you know, mental health and all that. And I remember being, you know, because I, I was around when cell phones were starting to, you know, hey, everybody has one now, you know, young age, kids, older. I didn't get one till I was 16 and driving just so that my parents could keep tabs on me, make sure I was safe, you know, because it wasn't as rampant as it was. And I remember, you know, we had one rule that, you know, we'd, we'd sit down to dinner and nobody could have their phones at the table. And then we'd all have to go around and say what the high point of our day was and what the low point of our day was just to get that discussion going. And so I think that's a perfect opportunity for parents to kind of integrate that and say, look, you know, we've all been working or doing school today. Let's put aside all the distractions. Let's put our phones away. Let's sit down, have a meal. Let's take turns. What worked well for you today? What didn't work well for you today? What are you going to do differently tomorrow based on, you know, what you had? And, and yeah, I, I think it's a great opportunity. As much as this pandemic has thrown our whole world into chaos, it's also given us an opportunity to kind of slow down and reconnect with our families. You know, you're, you're, you're saying this and what's, what's coming up for me right now is I'm, I'm thinking, you know, you guys are in Utah, I'm in Colorado, it's 1030 in the morning here and I haven't eaten breakfast. I've had a cup of coffee, but I haven't eaten breakfast, but, but I, yeah. I was up at seven working and yeah. there, there seems to, you know, is, is lunch one of those transition points? Should parents say, you know, is the kid just expected to get up in the middle of the day and eat their lunch? 
Or is this online school thing going to say, okay, it's lunchtime, we'll see you in an hour. And that is a transitionary period where everybody's taking a break and should the family put their work down and take a break. Everybody's got to excuse. Oh, I got a meeting. I got to make another phone call. I got to hit this person up on messenger. Like, or is this more family time? How many meals a day are we talking here? Yeah, no, I, I definitely like the idea of lunch kind of being a transition time. And like you said, I think it's a great reset for adults because I find myself in the same trap of, Oh, I got to get back with this person. I got to get back with this person. But you know, the more I think about it and, and I've, I've connected with a, a community of women who are all kind of business minded, you know, like minded women. And the one thing they say is you cannot give from an empty cup. So you have to fill yourself up first. And so whether that's yeah, a lunch break where, okay, this is the hour that's designated where no work, no school, we're just going to talk or we're going to go, you know, if you need a power nap, go take a power nap. Just anything that's me time after you eat lunch, you know, have that, have that time to then go do what you need to do to get that reset and then come back and be refreshed and focused. And I think that would benefit not only the kids, but the adults as well, because it is, we're in this society of hustle, 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 grind, 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 that it's important to kind of slow down and take those times. And so lunch would be, I think, a good transition time, like you said, to kind of get them in that mindset. And again, you could turn it into Hey, family, we're going to have a dance party. We've all been sitting here doing nothing, you know, movement, dance, music. Mom, this is so stupid. I got to do a math (laughs) test. Exactly. (laughs) This will help you. I promise it'll help. I mean, I've noticed it in myself. If I'm having a a bad day, I'll just put on my favorite song. And even if I just listen to it, I immediately feel better, you know? So adding the movement in and getting those endorphins going creates even better energy to just finish up the day. So. Yeah, you'll probably get a little kickback from your teenager or whatever, but it's like, no, come on. If, if you're dancing goofy and setting that example, then your kids will join in, you know, and one day they'll appreciate it. <laughs> so that brings, because you just you just brought up a point, Angelie, about um, the... Uh, the 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 potential for distractions or directions so being extremely adhd and i have a tv right over there i've got a monitor here i've got my computer here i've got my sound system there and i've got my podcast studio there and i can have everything going at once and that'll throw my adhd brain into the hyper focus right because now all the I, I, I've, I had it explained to me a few years ago and I try to remind parents this ADHD is not the fact that I can't pay attention. It's that I pay attention to everything equally. I don't prioritize the, uh, um, my processing doesn't prioritize input. All input is a priority. And so I catch everything I'm talking Oh, there. There's three Ravens that just threw Vi up there. Car mm-hmm. just went past and there's my red truck because I just went through a midlife crisis and my TV's going <laughs> on and, you know, and, and so everything is going on at once. And there's research to show that if you study with a certain song and then listen to it, that song while taking the test, you can do better on the test. But while your kid's supposed to be studying, they're going to be doing this, finding the next song. <laughs> so what is it? Are, are the kids allowed to have YouTube videos of, of some unboxing of the new PS system going on? Can they listen to music? What do you guys recommend? Honestly, um, I think everyone's going to be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. What works for one might not work for the other. I personally, I like to work in complete silence. I don't even really like having the radio on because I find myself starting to sing along 
to the lyrics of the songs I like and that gets me distracted. So for me personally, complete silence and I just get to it and get it done. But I know many others who that is actually more distracting to have complete silence. So I don't think it's a one size fits all necessarily. I think that's where it comes down to um, the parents really being involved in, in what the student is doing, asking questions, um, checking in on progress regularly. In the very beginning, when they first start an online program, it's not enough just to check in weekly. They need to know, they need to make sure that the student is off on the right foot before they give them too much uh, breathing room to just do it on their own. I mean, they have to be very involved in the very beginning to make sure that the student has a, a good routine, a plan of action on what they're going to be accomplishing every day. And along with that can go, what's appropriate for my environment? How do I work well? If the student can demonstrate that they can um, pass quizzes and tests and, and truly comprehend the material that they're learning while having their favorite songs playing in the background, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Angelie, do you have input on that? Yeah, it's funny that Sarah's sitting there saying she works well in silence because I'm the type that's like, hey, I need to have music. You know, it gets me, it kind of helps me focus on what I'm doing because then my mind's not a million different directions because of the silence. And so, yeah, I think it's just finding the learning style. And we know that several of our students do have, you know, music plugged in and then they're able to focus better. So, yeah, I think it is just, you know, those parents asking the kids like, okay, how do you learn? What did you do in your classroom? what was distracting, how can we help you focus better, you know, having, having those discussions. And then, like Sarah said, even if it's just, you know, something as simple as with the parents checking in, if, this, if the kid is just able to say, hey, mom, look, I just got an 80 on my quiz. And then she comes and checks it out. Hey, good job. You know, that, that encouragement, kind of that hands-on approach, even if it's something as simple as that, so they can see the progress, they see where they're at, just small check-ins. And I know I parents are probably thinking, but I'm busy. I have a meeting. How am I going to be checking in? How am I going to see this? You know? So again, just adjust it to, to your schedule, what works for you, give yourself grace, you know, figure it out with, with your kids at home and, and find out what works and what doesn't. I got sort of, to go, back to oh, go the, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say to go back to um, where you're saying, okay, now it comes in distractions of trying to figure out what I'm going to play next. Maybe that's an activity you can do as a family is figure out with your child if they like to have music or whatever videos in the background playing put together a you know Study one playlist. hour playlist and yeah. now you press play and you don't think you work until that video or that that list of songs is over and then it's break time and yeah. you know so you can you can set that up in advance and that's something that the families can work on together so that it the student isn't distracted on okay what am I going to put on next what song do I want to hear and it's already ready to go and you know when that playlist ends now i can get up and stretch and move around go get you know a snack or whatever that's a good idea that's a good idea i mean that's exactly what i do in the gym i know exactly where my workout is based on what song i'm listening to <clears throat> now we we're talking about hands-on uh parenting during school online now and there's going to be a careful balance around that I, I was certified as a love and logic instructor for teachers a few years back and there's a lot of talk about how to engage with the parents who are drill sergeant parents or uh, <coughs> helicopter drill sergeant dads helicopter moms that's the that's the generic paradigm but i know you guys and i have met plenty who have reversed those roles just fine the the drill sergeant moms and the helicopter dads <clears throat> excuse me but then also 
We've got the lawnmower parents who are out in front of the child cutting away, uh, or they also call them snowplow parents, where they're just clearing the path so their child has no difficulties. And up until recently, um, that had been it. But I had heard a conversation about what are Gen X parents and what are millennial parents. Um, Gen X parents, there's a lot of snowplows. But then there's also what they're calling the fighter jets. Have you guys heard of the fighter jet parents? I haven't heard that term yet. Yeah. So this is a funny one. This is the parent um, who is so far out of sight, like you don't even know they're there until there's a problem. And then they come in, guns blazing. What's going on with my child? What kind of teacher are you? What's his school doing? It's all your fault. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're like, yeah. who are you? Like, you could have been, were you here for parents night? Were you here at the PTO nights? Were you here at the, and they're not, they only show up when it's time for an attack. Um, <clears throat> so how on earth does a parent going to figure out how much is too much or how much is not enough when you need to be hands-on engagement with your kid who's doing school at home and there's actually a trained educator right there talking to your child and they're teaching? Um, I know there's been plenty of times that I, uh, I've disagreed with my, what the teachers were teaching my child my children and said so to my children and the teachers. And they said, you, you're welcome to go to a different school. I, I mean, you're, 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 that's fine. <laughs> and there were times I apologized and times I put my kid in a different school. So what's your, what's your input on parents input? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, Oh, sorry, no, go ahead. Go ahead Anne. Okay. So I would say, you know, if you're having to get involved on a daily basis with a complaint or something that's, that's probably too much, you know, as a school, I mean, part of what we strive for at Mountain Point Academy is like Sarah said, to give a weekly progress report to parents so they can see black and white. This is where your kid was at last week. This is where they are this week. We make comments on, hey, it looks like you were logged in for X amount of hours, but you only completed this many activities. We'd like to see that a little bit higher, you know, things like that. So, so the parents are going to be getting feedback from these online programs. And so, I would say, you know, having a conversation once a week with a counselor is not unreasonable. But if it becomes a, you know, every single day, well, why did they get a 60% on this quiz? You know, and why, if, if there's continual follow-up, that's probably a little bit too much. But, you know, having that awareness that they can ask questions if big issues do come up is good. But then just the little day-to-day -day activities, you know, following up once they have the progress and they can kind of see the whole week in retrospect, because maybe they're just having a bad day, right? And and you don't know. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's important for definitely parents to be aware and know where their kids are at, but ne not necessarily too over-involved. You know, we don't mm -hmm. want that helicopter parent or like the story we shared last time where, you know, the mom's giving the answer for a second grader, like, how's, how's your kid going to learn if you're just giving them the answers? You know, part of, part of the learning process is failing, you know, and and I think we have such a stigma in our society about failure that, that kids are afraid to try things on their own. But, you know, a good reminder, and it was actually a quote I saw that said uh, from Richard Branson, and it says, do not be embarrassed by your failures, learn from them and start again. And that's exactly what the learning process is. You know, kids need to be given an opportunity to try something out. Okay, that didn't work. How am I going to do it? That's how they develop critical thinking. And that's what allows them to then progress and be successful adults 
contributing to society because they have those in place. Yeah. You know, I want to say something about the failing thing because I hold parents responsible for a lot of things in my shows, in my parent workshops and my parent coaching, the trainings that I do for parents. I mean, I'm really holding their feet to the fire, but this pass fail thing, this grading thing, this one's to me. And maybe what I'm going to say is a little uh, confrontational, but I, I hold this one to schools I because failure is how we learn. The, the best lessons I've ever had are from my biggest failures, but that doesn't seem to fly in a school. In fact, there's a lot of punishment and consequence for failure, including the, the ultimate fear of being held back. Is online school going to be presenting any differently or is this something that parents and teachers got to kind of come to grips with? I mean, in the end, you still have to, you know, from our standpoint, from the school standpoint, with what our accreditation and everything expects of us is the students need to be meeting the standards that are set out for the state. So at some point before just pushing them along to the next grade level, they're going to have to demonstrate proficiency. Um, I think some of the problems that we run across in the school system is where uh, teachers are afraid to actually get, you know, their hands dirty and, and do some real teaching. And they have a, a kid that's struggling and they just kind of push them through the system and no real learning is happening. So they might pass them with a D minus just to get them out of their hair. I got to tell you, I was one of those kids. I mean, that that's how I got out of high school. I was pushed through. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's one thing that, you know, we take a very individualized approach. We look at every individual student. And so where you're not in a, in a traditional classroom where I'm with a bunch of 10th graders and they all might pass and go on to the next grade and I'm going to be stuck here in 10th grade. I think being in an online environment takes kind of that pressure away from it and every student works at their own pace. Um, and so if you need to take a little bit extra time on a particular lesson that is just not clicking with you, that's okay. completely acceptable. That's okay. That's, you know going along with that individualized and personalized attention is we, we look at that. Okay. You're struggling. What can we do that? You're not comparing it to what everybody else is doing because there might be another lesson where that student just breezes right through because it makes sense. Um, but you know, we just have to get rid of that stigma on failing is a negative thing. You know, if you fail, I I've said this to students all the time is, um, students who just leave something blank because they're, I sort answer your question. They leave it blank because they're afraid to put the wrong thing or they don't. And I'm, I'm like, listen, if you don't at least try or, or write down something, uh, what your take is on or what your understanding is, how is the instructor supposed to know how to help you or where the gaps are? Don't be afraid to be embarrassed. You know, don't be embarrassed to put something down on what your take is on it, because then we can at least have a starting point and, and build on it from there and maybe fill in some of the gaps on something that doesn't make sense to you. But um, I really think students nowadays are so afraid of failure, whether it's because of the parents or the teachers. I don't know. Is it the everyone gets a trophy day and age that we're in right now? I don't know what to attribute it to necessarily, but 
I definitely agree with you. There's a stigma around it that needs to be addressed. Now, the everybody gets a trophy thing, I'm going to hold the parents responsible for that one. Like, I'm not going to blame the schools, but the moment we started having graduation ceremonies for kids in second and third and fourth grade, I was like, wait a second now. Like, you don't celebrate everything. Like, you got to earn something. Like, there's a really old study called the Marshmallow Study that was pretty much proven to be pretty accurate like check it out on youtube folks the marshmallow study but but the the idea of a trophy for everything the idea of that's one i hold parents for i remember getting in the car after a hockey game and i was blaming the ref and blaming the other team and blaming it my dad slammed on the brakes and he goes he scored on you because he's better than you if you want to be better than him practice more than he does and he started driving again and i was like huh and he didn't left me off the hook you know so so this is this is i think that's what's going to really come up with this homeschooling thing is that it gets hard. And so you let your kid off the hook or are we going to have more parenting struggles because we don't get a break from our parent child paradigms? Are they going to be able to sucker us into saying, okay, we'll just, or is that whole hyper focus on school and good grades and you can't fail and you got to go to a good college. Is that going to be amplified because now dad's right there. Mom's right there. And I, like like is it we we talked last time about you know the, the the really hopeful the fact that you could attend any school from anywhere i thought that was amazing and then have access to brilliant teachers who might not even be in the same state i thought that was really amazing but the other side to this is that are we going to lose learning on our own is our parents like what's the danger that parents put on their kids of being too involved in the the education. I think there is a danger. Definitely. That's something that parents really have to be aware of and take a conscious effort to give their child some space to allow learning to happen. Um, Like the fighter jet parent who just swoops in and, and they're the savior, you know, at the last minute, it's like, okay, that's not exactly healthy that's not helping your your student learn from their mistake um sometimes you just have to let them experience the natural consequences and then talk about it and learn from it okay why did this happen how can we make some adjustments for next time but to be constantly breathing down their neck and um trying to swoop in and be the savior all the time is something that parents i think it starts with just being aware when they're doing it and figuring out something that's going to work so that they can provide that space and and is your is your kid going to fail yeah some some of the time they are going to fail and and we have to be okay with that and one thing that we've been working on with our staff and with our principal we've been just talking about different ideas between restorative versus punitive um practices where how are we looking at a situation that happens In, in this particular case it was with academic integrity um, if a student plagiarizes, are we just going to laugh a big F on the assignment and, you know, let it be? Or what is the, what are the measures that we're taking to then prevent this from happening next time is teaching and learning from a mistake and from a failure rather than just putting a label on it and saying, okay, you're a failure. Because as soon as you start um, going along with that narrative in, in your mind, especially as a, an adolescent, a teen, you start getting a little bit discouraged and thinking, well, if I'm just going to fail anyway, why even bother, bother to try? So 
it, yeah, it starts those negative stories in their minds. And I think, you know, like Sarah was saying, is it is going to take some reflection on the parents' part. And I think that's kind of what this whole experience for everybody has kind of forced is having those uncomfortable kind of self-reflection moments where, oh, am I doing this the right way? What can I do better? And kind of recognizing that it's an opportunity for personal growth as well on the parents' part, on the students' part, on really everybody's part, you know, because again, it's, it, we're all learning, we're all doing this together. And so, yeah, having those moments of, oh, shoot, was that the best way to handle this? Or how can I help my kids learn in this situation? And yeah, learn from the mistake or the consequence. You know, it's it's amazing as I think about this, the, you know, a school whose children are um, performing not very well and they're, and the school is failing, you know, the accreditation company comes in and says, you're, you guys are failing. They're like, no, we're not failing. We're learning. Like, you know, you, you don't get away with that. Like there are standards that have to be set, but we get so hell bent on the standards. I was just working, uh, with a parenting coach in India, um, and helping him, uh, help a village where they had 17 suicide attempts, nine of them successful, uh, because of a test. And uh, so many kids failed that there was, there was a serial suicide. Um, Like that's the, there are two ends of this spectrum where we, we have to find this middle ground again in the same way that not, not giving any kid any accolades for anything they do versus a graduation ceremony for, Oh, it's lunchtime. Let's have a graduation ceremony from, from the morning session. Like, come on there. There's somewhere in here is a healthy middle ground. Um, I have, I have some practical, questions about operating systems and uh, families that may not have enough money to get multiple computers and doing school and stuff like that. Um, Are we finding as things are moving towards online stuff that people have adequate things? Are are online schools uh, relatively easy on operating systems or are people having to update? How's the technology working? Um. I mean, I can mostly speak on what we use for our technology, not as much on what other, because I know things like Canvas and there are a lot of other popular systems that we don't necessarily use. Um, But with our system, basically any browser works pretty well. It's all internet based. As far as operating system goes, we have people that are using OS X with Mac and uh, Windows, but like an operating system like Linux, um, like Ubuntu, um, things that are open source should still work, although they might not necessarily be supported by the tech companies. You still shouldn't have too much of a problem making that work because it's all really just internet based. So the operating system doesn't play into as much as uh, the browser goes. As far as the devices, you can use ours on a tablet, you can use it on a Chromebook, a PC, whatever, Mac. Um, we have a source in Linden that we've been using for uh, refurbished computers. And so parents can get their hands on a, a pretty, pretty decent uh, Chromebook for about 75 bucks. Um, so we definitely have the resources out there. Um, if that's even out of the question... Uh, we've had students work on classes from like the library and stuff like that. Definitely not ideal. Uh, it, it would definitely be better if you can figure out a way to gather up your resources and make something work so that students have a stable environment that they can count on at home. 
Um, it's definitely trickier with multiple students, but um, if you adjust schedules and go with things that are open source versus like a, a, instead of a Microsoft Word or Microsoft Office Suite, maybe you're using Open Office instead. Um, there are definitely workarounds and ways to save money so that you're you're not necessarily having to use the top of the line software and applications, and you can still run run the programs pretty seamlessly for the most part. Unless you're trying to do a, a, a an online course like the Microsoft Office applications, then of course you need Microsoft <laughs> Office for that. But otherwise, generally speaking, um, everything can be open source. Yeah. So. Okay, that's good. So there was there was a, a thing we brought up in our last episode where we were discussing um, one of the benefits was that there is what is it you guys said or was I saying my brother did it? Um, but he has to spend fifteen minutes with each kid online in a one on one interaction each week. And I thought about that. I was like, now that's pretty good. And then I thought, wait a second, if you have 30 kids in a classroom, that's 450 minutes. Uh, and if you've got 80 kids in a classroom and that, that's where we started to talk about, you know, it's stretching a teacher too thin. Um, how can the parents step in to the accountability process and have it in your opinion, feel like support to the kid and not just a nag. Did you do your homework? Yeah, micromanage. Uh, I got it, mom. I got it. Like I could have never homeschooled with my mother, mom. If you're listening to this episode, I love you. But by God, when I would bring her my teen angst poetry, she would be like with a red pen, circling all my misspelled words. I could just read my feelings. She's like, but I want everybody to enjoy it. You're spelling. My mom's a teacher. If you if you can't figure that out, so. But I could have never done it with my mom. Uh, I struggled enough to do it without my mom. But how how do we not micromanage our kids now that we got them right in front of us? Right, the fear of we, failure is one thing, but how do you how do you have your own life when suddenly they're in it again, twenty four seven? The parent has to let learn to let the teacher do the teacher's job as well. So. Mm -hmm. Understand that the, the students are being taught by the educators, you know, that are employed by the school um, and, and staying, keeping an open line of communication with the teachers as a parent to find out what the expectations are. Um, I just honestly think that really good things can happen when the parents and the teachers and the students all come together to reach a common goal. So just being informed, understanding so being involved enough to know what the technology looks like for the, the program, what the learning management system looks like, what um, the expectations are is how many activities are supposed to be done on a daily or weekly basis. And, and having a knowledge of those things, that way your student can't just say, yeah, yeah, I'm working. See, look at my screen. This is cool that I have up. But then, like you said before, in the background, they're doing something else or they, you know, they just know how to manipulate the, the screen to make it look like they're doing schoolwork. That's, that's common. So if a parent is so uninvolved that they, that they can't recognize that, I don't think that's a good thing. But to be constantly over the student's shoulder, what are you doing now? Let me see that. Can I correct your paper? Right. Can I do this? Like, that's what the teachers are there for. Let them mm -hmm. do their job yeah. and keep that open line of communication with the teachers so that you know when to step in and when it's appropriate to do so. And we do a pretty good job of communicating with our parents. Um, on the flip side, we've seen parents who 
we've sent weekly emails. We've tried contacting them or calling them. Don't return calls. And then at the end of the course, when their student's about to fail the course, then they jump in and they return your calls. And that's the, that's the fighter, fighter jet. Yeah. So it's like, where were you? You know, we tried to communicate with you on a weekly basis to address some of these concerns, but you were nowhere to be found until the very end of the course. But now it's almost too late. You're, yeah. you're, you know, um, how are we going to go back to every single lesson that your student didn't understand? And we were trying to get you to be a little more involved and you're trying to jump in the last minute. So going back to that, it seems like a common theme here is finding that middle ground is, yeah. is what we need to do to where parents are involved enough to where they know exactly where their student stands as far as progress and grades and um, things like that. And also giving them some space and some room to grow and learn and right. make some mistakes and learn from it and keep, you know, yeah. keep that cycle going. Yeah, I think I think a good rule of thumb is, you know, like Sarah said, it's the teacher's job to provide feedback and give the guidance on this is what you're doing well, this is what we need to work on. So for the student to get that advice, you know, feedback from the teacher, and then let's say they attempted to write an English paper, and their teacher gave them feedback on, okay, that was a good start to the rough draft, but it looks like you left out some of these elements. Then at that point, that's the opportunity for the student and parent to kind of, you know, talk and like have the student talk it out with the parent saying, hey, this is the feedback I got from my teacher, but I'm not exactly sure what they understand or what I right. what they mean by this. So can you help me with that? And then that's an opportunity for the parent, you know, two layers. You're helping your kid out and also you're seeing, OK, this is where my kid is at performance wise. This is the progress. And so it's kind of that collaborative effort at that point. But, yeah, just trusting that. You know, the educators went to school. They know what they're talking about. They know how to help your kid. And yeah, giving them that opportunity to make a mistake on a rough draft. You know, it's a rough draft and the kid's going to learn and you can help them out in that way. And yeah, just, just finding that balance of, you know, even if it's, and, and again, I'm going to go back to the family dinners. I think that's why that's a great way to have it is just each day. Just say, hey, how was school today? Then you're not nagging every five minutes or every hour. Well, what did you get done in an hour? What did you get done in an hour? No, at the end of the day have a reflection, see where it's at, check in with the goals. Like you can even just once a week set goals with your kid. And, and, you know, the teachers are doing that with the students as well. We set goals every week with our students and then they can kind of, the parents can check in and say, how do you feel like you're coming along with your goals? Is it working? Is it not? You know, next week you can adjust it, but give them the power to make those goals too. You know, it's it's their education. Let them kind of take ownership and you can just kind of facilitate those conversations of, okay, what, what do you want out of school? What, what are your hopes? What are your dreams? You know, and, and letting the students kind of guide and, and then that gets them thinking of the logical steps they have to get there to achieve their own goals separate from, you know, the parents just saying, well, this is what you got to do, you know, because then it gives them, again, that opportunity to develop those critical thinking skills and just help them be better prepared for the future. Uh, I want to, I want to review some of the things to see my page of notes for you guys is I want to review a, kind of a list of things uh, that we talked about. Then you guys to give your contact information as we wrap up here in the next few minutes. Um, so if I leave anything out, remember to add it. So we're just talking about goals, the goal setting that the kids get to set the goals. The teachers get to set the goals 
And I'm hearing the parents get to listen to the goals and kind of evaluate where the kid is. And if they have a concern, talk to the teacher, don't nag the kid. Um, A few hours, a few hours is good. Make sure there's movement breaks. Routine is essential. Setting the space that's not in a work area or or that is a work area, not a play or sleep area. That is so super important. Um, Being clear on the times. uh, That's part of the routine, but that lunch is consistent. Uh, Family meetings, checking the progress, which you guys said daily is too much. Weekly is reasonable. I like that. I think that's, that's like really, um, that's good stuff. And you said something which goes online with, with, you know, what I say at the end of every episode is that your kids are at home now drinking from, and you're trying to get them to drink from an empty cup. As a parent, you have to be refueling yourself, doing your work, eating your healthy food, sleeping well, so that you can focus on your work so that you have energy to be checking in on your kid and have them in the house and stuff like that. Um, and then get them up, get them showered, make them walk around the house with their backpack on and come in the back door and call you teacher. This makes prom really weird. I'm just going to say prom is prom is bizarre all of a sudden. Um, no, you guys, this has been great. Both these episodes are really good. Families, if you didn't hear our first one on the on the uh, the changing face of school, go listen to that. But uh, Angeli, Sarah, give give the information for Mountain Point Academy. Yes, mountainpointacademy.com is the website. Uh, we do have a blog there, so please check out the blog. We have posts about accreditation. GED versus high school diploma, helping parents make decisions, um, experiential learning. We have a wealth of information on the website. So please check out the website, www.mountainpointacademy.com. You can also email us directly with any questions, uh, Sarah or Angelie at mountainpointacademy.com. You can call us. uh, You can reach us at the office, 801-653-9649 is the phone number. And Anjali, uh, if you want to share the social media too. Yeah, we're also on LinkedIn, just under Mountain Point Academy. Um, you can find us on Facebook as well. We have a Facebook page, Mountain Point Academy. We've also created a Facebook group that allows for parents to kind of connect um, about this whole homeschool world and getting feedback. We share free resources that are helpful, different things like that. So you can also um, join our Facebook group. And we are also on Instagram at the way so you can find us over on instagram as well where we share you know different insights and updates as well for parents and just weekly motivation for kids too <laughs> you guys this has been great thank you so much I've, i wish you guys all the success in the world i think you've built a great foundation for for this change that's coming the change that's in you guys sound like you're out in front of it which is amazing because being able to respond to this crisis instead of just reacting to it is so much healthier so congratulations good job on being out in front of this and i have nothing but success and we're in utah a lot i'd love to come by and visit and i'd love to have you guys to the facility here at fire mountain and uh and give you a tour that'd be great yeah that'd be great Uh, parents so this is changing and that's it and we're we're gonna hope it goes back so that life has some of its familiarity with it but it may not we don't know and we don't know how long 
Um, currently, as this podcast is is being aired, the the COVID numbers are going back up. People are starting to panic again, um, and so we feel another lockdown's coming down. Uh, and, and so that that means that will this be done with summer's end? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I know that the the last two parent weekends have been online, and this next one's online as well. So that's everything's changing, folks. The, the, the key here is to listen to this information, listen to this support, get out in front of it so that you're making choices from your prefrontal cortex and not a survival reaction, knee-jerk, fight, flight, freeze, faint, fornicate, feed, or fester, limbic lizard brain. But you're actually in front of this thing going, okay, this, this is how I got to swing this. This is how I got to do this. Really check out Chromebook. They really do have good prices on very, very simple computers. Uh, and I know a lot of schools use that. My kids have used Used it, uh, but if at the end of this, if you have questions and you need more information, go to uh, uh, mountainpointacademy.com.org. Uh, I'm sorry. Dot com. Mountainpointacademy.com and uh, or get uh, Angeli or Sarah on the phone themselves. They're gonna help you out. Parents, if you're wondering if your kid does need residential treatment, if you're not sure if the problem's bad enough, you think they might, contact Fire Mountain at 303-443-3343 and talk to our admissions person. We're going to tell you, um, and we'll tell you if they don't need it as well. You can also go online at firemountainprograms.com and do an initial basic assessment and get a call from our admissions. Uh, and if you're interested in coaching directly with me, I do parent coaching, and it just so happens I have an opening right now. So please contact uh, me at firemountainprograms.com slash coaching. That'll give you the information you need, and you can email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com. Parents, take care of yourselves first, your adult relationships second, and your children third, because in that way, we're going to do our best work with our children. My thanks to Deepin Productions, who handles all my music and sound. My guests, Angelina and Sarah, from Mountain Point Academy in Utah. Thanks so much, parents, and we will see you next week.